Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, broadcasting from the Cellmark Studios. Colleen Daniel is here, as always, socially distancing from home, along with the About Mansfield news team. This is episode 68. We thank you for being here today. Coming up on this episode, it's Mansfield news and weather for the upcoming week. And don't forget the trivia question of the week for a $25 gift card to Dirty Job Brewing. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. This week, the COVID-19 epidemic in Mansfield is back on its decline, and we celebrate two space anniversaries. Infrastructure, bonds, and the elections, we cover them all on A Moment with the Mayor. Texas Tech to open Satellite School of Nursing campus in Mansfield. April is National Child Abuse Prevention Month, and reporter Stacey Main continues her month-long series of special reports. Still working on your taxes to meet the April 15th deadline? You may be in luck. Traffic at Matlock and Debbie just got a little tougher. Cuban cigars and the Cuban sandwich are not ingredients in this week's Cocktail of the Week. Can you guess what is? The answer later in the episode. Alexa has our seven-day weather forecast, and Steve talks in studio with Mansfield City Manager Joe Smolinski. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Just before we go to the commercials, I want to take a second to welcome a new sponsor. With the hail that we experienced on Tuesday morning, his timing couldn't have been better. Thus, we welcome Paul Duncan. And this portion of the news is brought to you by Trinity Roofing and Construction. Hi, this is Paul Duncan with Trinity Roofing and Construction. There are over 7,500 roofers in the North Texas area. And when a major hailstorm blows through town, that number skyrockets with companies as far away as Montana. In the planning stages of re-roofing your home, it's normal for customers to ask questions such as, where are they based out of and how many years experience do they have roofing in North Texas? Trinity Roofing and Construction can answer each of these questions with confidence. As a family-owned, Mansfield-based business since 2011, Trinity Roofing and Construction recently received a Product Excellence Award by Owens Corning and are a Platinum Preferred Contractor with Owens Corning. Contact us today for a free, no-obligation video roof inspection. Rated A-plus with the Better Business Bureau, Trinity Roofing and Construction, a Mansfield company, not only replacing roofs, but building relationships. Find us on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. That's trinityroofingconstruction.com. Hey, business owners. Have you thought about growing your business through social media but don't know where to start? Never fear. I'm Sonia Salazar, and Wise Media Group is here offering coaching for do-it-yourself social media marketing, or we can do it for you. We have packages for every budget. Wise Media Group specializes in organic Facebook and Instagram growth. Let's get Mansfield businesses connected in 2021. Give us a call for a free 30-minute consultation at 817-913-2989. That's 817-913-2989. Or find us on social media at Wise Media Group. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Media Group on Facebook and Instagram. Wise Media Group, helping you make wise social media marketing decisions in 2021. Southwestern Adventist University's safe and friendly campus is located right in our backyard. Did you know that cybersecurity has become a high-demand specialty? SWOA is known for producing ethical, trustworthy, well-rounded graduates prepared to keep organizations safe and secure. Earn a bachelor's in cybersecurity at Southwestern Adventist University. Texas residents who commit early for fall 2021 are eligible for a $3,000 scholarship. Go to swau.edu to learn more. Paid political ad by the Von Wynn Jones campaign. Hello, my name is Vaughn Wynn Jones. I came to the US from the UK back in 1990. I've lived, worked and watched as things have changed here over the last 30 years. In the past few years, I started to hear the words, if you don't like it, go home, directed at myself and others. So I became a US citizen to better invest in what I feel is my home. Serving in the State Guard and working as an EMT taught me we face many challenges as a people, and yet there are many ways we can work together to bring about positive changes and usher in a new age of opportunity for everyone. So now, I'm running for City Council Place 4 in beautiful Mansfield, Texas, my home for the last 18 years. There's a lot of great things about this city, and yet there's still a lot more we can do to serve each other during these challenging times. So please, let's help each other make our community stronger. Come join us at helpmansfieldthrive.org. 
That's helpmansfieldthrive.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Vaughan Wynne Jones, and I'm not a cat. Hi, this is John Teixeira with Teixeira Realty Group, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. The COVID-19 epidemic continues to decline its spread in Mansfield. Roving science reporter Dennis Webb has the update. Dennis? Thanks, Steve. On Monday, April 12th, Tarrant County reported that 7,184 Mansfieldians had caught the virus, 6,940 had recovered, and 134 had died from the virus since the start a year ago. We had 53 new cases this past week, an increase over the week before, but still a low number compared to the rest of 2021. The county estimates we now have about 244 active cases, a decline over the previous week. It appears that the recent weeks of up and down in new cases means we are on a plateau in Mansfield, meaning the virus is still here and spreading. Mansfield ISD reports 25 active cases among students and seven among staff, similar to recent weeks, but still well below the numbers we saw in December and January. No update on Mansfield hospitalizations this week. This past week, Tarrant County reported that 30% of Mansfield citizens had received at least one immunization, compared to 21% countywide. We had one new COVID-19 death in Mansfield this past week, the lowest value since November, suggesting the deaths from the January spike are finishing. A blessing was still sad for that one Mansfield family. Looking at the countywide numbers, all of Tarrant County's epidemic and continue to improve. Good decrease in weekly fatalities, perhaps finally a steady downward trend. Countywide hospitalizations with the virus has continued its steady decline, with last week's average value of 148 citizens in a hospital bed with the virus, the lowest hospitalization we have seen since last May. One concern in the county numbers, R sub T, which we've talked about here before, has continued its increase now up to 1.01, up from a recent low of 0.73. What this 1.01 means is for every 100 people the county knows to be infected, they expect those 100 to infect 101 other people, potentially a leading indicator for another wave, but we're not there yet. Tarrant County report indicates that 12% of all Tarrant County residents, everybody including kids who are not yet eligible, have received their final immunization shot, so it's a good sign that most of us old people, or a lot of us old people are getting our shots. Our county judge, Glenn Whitley, encourages all citizens to register to get vaccinated. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Mansfield City Council held a regularly scheduled meeting last Monday night, and here in the studio, we call this a moment with the mayor. The following opinion are those of Michael Evans and may not necessarily reflect those of the Mansfield City Council. Good day, Mr. Mayor. It is good to see you today, sir. Michael Evans is here in the studio and uh, lots of things talked about on Monday night, including capital projects. Let's start with that. You know what? Um, this may sound strange to some people, but uh, last uh, the, the last meeting that we had was a phenomenal meeting. And uh, really, it was one that um, I think kind of get the juices uh, going because when we're talking Talking about these capital projects, you know, that's not the most glamorous thing to talk about. Yes. But when you put it in the package, kind of uh, what uh, we did, you know, it, it was it was outstanding. For example, you know, uh, in our work session that took place earlier uh, during the uh, council meeting that took place, of course, April 12th, we received an update from staff on the status of uh, capital projects uh, that are being planned or actually that are already underway. And uh, this this presentation, Steve, detailed the impact uh, that growing construction costs, of course, are having on uh, any plans, in, in plans in regard to uh, building anything. But uh, we understood that, and as staff brought it forward, you know, we looked at these capital projects. For example, our public safety building. Uh, we talked about uh, public works and our parks and recreation and even library services. And um, as, as, as those staff persons brought before us, the chiefs uh, brought before us uh, our priorities and things that we're already doing. As a council, we couldn't turn anything away because yeah. we know that as a growing city, we're going to have to uh, have a, a, a good place uh, for our police and fire to train. You know, right now, for example, Steve, our our police and fire are actually training outside of the city. Right. And um, that's not 
too good uh, because when you think about it, our city continues to grow. We have at least 80,000 residents that we believe now are here in Mansfield. So we need to start catching up, uh, so to speak, with uh, uh, with some of the, the bigger boys around town, around this uh, Tarrant County region. So, uh, yeah, that, that that's what's going on. And some great things are coming up. Well, and catching up with some of the big boys also means maybe having to borrow more money to spend more money to to help build the city. And a part of that was a, uh, a bond project in November. Yes. And, and here's the key to that. And thank you for, for bringing that up. Sure. Uh, the staff offered the council options uh, to uh, utilize available debt. And, uh, you know, one of the questions that I had and other council members had was, OK, is this going to affect uh, what we're doing now? Is it going to cost uh, uh, our taxpaying uh, residents anything extra? Is is it going to, uh, let's say, raise the tax rate or anything like that? Well, the good news is the answer is no. Uh, uh, our um, our financial staff, and, and again, I can't say uh, I can't say enough. You know, we we've got we've got some great people uh, working for us here in Mansfield, and they've been very good stewards of the dollars. We are all fiscally uh, conservative, but I want you to know what we're talking about. So, what we said to them was, as it concerns our, our police, uh, our public safety buildings. We don't want them to just, um, uh, let's say, piecemeal it, okay? Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, you do what you can when you can, but let me tell you something. Every time I drive down uh, George Bush, that tollway, and I see those, you know, magnanimous buildings that's been built for police and fire uh, there in, in our, our neighboring city, whose name I will not call because I bet you people know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, our folks deserve that. We deserve to have top-notch training uh, facilities. Think about it. You're talking about first responders and policemen and women. Right. They literally put their lives on the line for us residents. Guess what? You take care of the people who take care of you. And, um, you know, I'm excited about it. Heck, I'm just excited about dreaming. We ask our police chief to bring us back some architectural drawings, you know, and of course, you know, uh, Joe Smolensky uh, has to approve all that, but um, thumbs up, the council is driving that. So I want people to know, yeah, that's that's what we're talking about for our city here in Mansfield. We're world class and we're going to look like it. So if we're dreaming big, we've got a little Mac right now. Yeah. Let's talk about maybe... How about a Big Mac? Man, let's talk about a Big Mac. Let me tell you, uh, if, 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 if yep. the residents sure. allow us uh, to uh, put together a bond program, then um, we would definitely uh, be talking about building a, a multi-generational recreation center, uh, something like, you know, again, we have neighbors. So I'll, I'll, let's say, I'll just say the summit. You know, they know what the summit is. I'm not talking about summit high school. I'm talking about that multi-generational Summit Recreational Building that's in Grand Prairie. Oops, I said their names. <laughs> you know, I, I tell you, that's the same kind of thing that uh, we're talking about and uh, we're excited about. Uh, uh, can you imagine uh, a, a, a larger, uh, not only multi-generational space, but when I say multi-generational, you know what? Our seasoned uh, citizens here in Mansfield, man, they deserve a good space for them to hang out and to spend those golden years. And let me tell you something else now. Mm -hmm. We're also thinking about uh, maybe, wink, wink, adding a, a veterans memorial uh, to that. Uh, we have men and women in our city who have... Uh, they paid the ultimate price. Others, others of them have been, uh, you know, members of the military. We believe that the city of Mansfield should have also top-notch, again, top-notch uh, veterans uh, memorial park. And um, again, who knows? That might all be a part of that bond package. But we're not doing one thing without uh, the uh, hearing from our residents here in our fair city. Let's talk about something you know pretty well about, and that is because you campaigned for almost a year when running for mayor. The elections are coming up. The elections are coming up. Yes, thank yes. you for reminding me. <laughs> the, the, the people can, cannot see uh, me grimacing when you say that in regard to my own campaign. One year, sir. But uh, during our 7 p.m. public meeting, uh, the council approved a, uh, a, a resolution authorizing joint election agreements and contracts with Tarrant County. 
And um, these elections, of course, are taking place May 1 and early elections, believe it or not, early elections begin, or early voting rather begins April 19th. That's just in five days from now. Uh, you better know it. It's yep. coming up and uh, folks are going to need to get out and, and vote. And of course, we've got local elections. And I'm saying to you, I know a lot of folks are coming out for the congressional seat, but uh, hey, y'all go on down that ballot and uh, let's get our local officials uh, taken care of, school board as well as uh, the community college. So all of that uh, is important. And um, we just need our folks to lean in and do their thing and cast those votes. Have I missed anything? Well, you know, uh, let's talk. Let's talk streets. I mean, you know, streets aren't as sexy as a Big Mac, of course. But, you know, but, I, um, I drive them from here to there. So I tell you that well. we do, we do every day, and uh, we're, we're still in the uh, business of building sidewalks, aren't we? Yes. So um, another thing that uh, we approved on yesterday, we approved uh, the other day uh, a, a resolution authorizing. We approved a resolution authorizing the city to submit transportation improvement projects for consideration in the Tarrant County 2021 uh, Transportation Bond Program. And uh, the way that works is uh, we say to them, we need these streets taken care of and prioritized. And um, if the bond passes, uh, they will then lean in with at least uh, half of the revenues needed for us to make those things work and get that stuff completed. So, uh, you know, again, it's not as sexy as a Big Mac, but um, we need good (laughs) streets to drive on because one of the things we do not want to happen as our city continues to grow, we do not want to get behind on the maintaining of the infrastructure. Right. That we just don't want to do. So here we are uh, trying to uh, work the work and um, and get all of that done. And again, uh, you know, uh, for individuals who want to, to learn more about what took place at that council meeting or uh, just want to see what's going on and see some of these beautiful pictures that I saw of, of the parks uh, that's being uh, proposed and all that was a part of our discussion last night. Yep. They need to see it, and um, hopefully it's something that they're going to love. But you know what? There is one thing that I, I almost forgot. Uh, I was uh, have continued to work with our local state representative, uh, uh, Representative Cook, and uh, our state senator Powell, and uh, we continue to be concerned about uh, the effects that uh, Snowmageddon had on so many of us. And uh, there are about six bills in the House, a couple in the Senate, that uh, is working toward relieving uh, our um, you know, our Texans, so to speak, of uh, those uh, exorbitant uh, electric bills. So please know that we're still working at work, and I'm looking forward to testifying in Austin uh, just to uh, carry the banner for our beloved Mansfield. Council's working for us. It's supposed to work that way. All yes, right. sir. Mr. Mayor, we'll see you in two weeks. See you soon, sir. This has been a moment with the mayor on About Mansfield. Methodist Mansfield Hospital will soon become the new home to a satellite campus for the Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center School of Nursing. Tech will expand its traditional bachelor's degree program, providing a resource for new nurses critical to the operation of hospitals and clinics. At a press conference announcing the merger, Mayor Michael Evans talked about the importance of Tech's expansion to Mansfield. We are excited uh, to add the Texas Tech University, uh, the Health Science Center School of Nursing to that partnership on today. And we believe that this satellite campus will not only benefit uh, the local healthcare industry, but also our residents as these students join us as allies in building a healthier city. So again, Thank you, each and every one of you, for allowing us to be a part of that and for this grand announcement on today. Speaking on the About Mansfield podcast, City Manager Joe Smolinski filled in the details. It originally started when former council member Brent Newsom mm-hmm. had reached out to both Methodist and to Texas Tech and was trying to gauge their interest in, as to whether or not they'd be interested in a satellite campus here in Mansfield. As it turns out, a couple years later, here we are. Uh, didn't come about just uh, that simply. There's a lot of stuff between 
year one and 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 today uh, to make that happen. But uh, that's that was sort of the introduction we got to them, and then I'd say both current and previous council supported the uh, the the project unanimously. So there was a lot of support there. It's it's really exciting to have a major university here in Mansfield, and I think it's just another sign of the direction Mansfield's headed right now. You can hear the rest of the interview with Joe Smolensky later in this episode. April is Child Abuse Prevention Month, and in this week's special report, Stacey Main discusses how to spot sex trafficking with the Director of Community Outreach with Unbound North Texas, Lorinda Smith. Stacey? Can you tell me a little bit about what Unbound is? Unbound is an anti-human trafficking agency that works with survivors of human trafficking in North Texas. We also provide professional trainings, community trainings, and youth prevention efforts to bring awareness of human trafficking to the community as well as prevent it from happening. We also operate a 24-7 drop-in center for youth up through age 22 where any youth that are potentially experiencing exploitation or trafficking can come and be in a safe location, get a shower, they can get a snack, just rest and and be in a safe place. I heard about that. Where is that? Mm -hmm. So the underground is located at one safe place, which is Tarrant County's Family Justice Center. It's at 1100 Hemp Hill Street, right off of Rosedale and Hemp Hill. That's just a place for them to go and just kind of rest. And then if they want to, they can get help. Is that how that works? Right, right. So they they come in. It's actually located in the basement of One Safe Place, hence the name The Underground. So when they come in, we just kind of ask some questions just to kind of see where they are on things. It's almost kind of like mom's basement in the sense of just it has the kitchen where they can get snacks. We've got a where they can watch TV or play video games, um, do art, uh, and and they can stay there for up to 24 hours. Once they're there, if they want to leave, they're more than welcome. But if they do want to inquire about any services or anything like that, we have staff there 24-7 that are up there to help them. Why do you take this approach? So the way we see this is that in those circumstances, you might possibly identify someone that's being exploited or trafficked. And then on the other side of it, you are giving a place where we can prevent it from happening. Because anyone who is, let's say, living on the street or kind of couch surfing and going place to place has a higher risk of being exploited or trafficked. And so... We can identify those things ahead of time so that we can get them information and or just the assistance that they might need to prevent that from happening in the first place. And tell me, what is trafficking? What is that? So trafficking is when someone exploits another individual under the the guise of force, fraud, or coercion for the purpose of commercial sexual exploitation and or forced labor. The one thing about trafficking is no case is ever exactly the same. Everything looks very different. It's very complex. How is sex trafficking different from prostitution? When we talk about uh, trafficking, we use the terms of forced fraud or coercion. When we talk about prostitution, that is someone who is working independently those things are not being used against them in that situation. And so prostitution is illegal, but when you're being, when you're a victim of trafficking, you're a victim. So you are right. Right. So that you're going to be treated differently too, as when the law, as the law looks at it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, one of the things that we've done, uh, one of the breakthroughs that we've really seen is when we work with law enforcement on doing sting operations. So let's say they'll set up a sting and someone will come respond to a hotel or whatnot. What we're doing is we're actually offering them help. They come in and the police are like, you're not being arrested. We just have someone here that wants to talk to you. And at that moment, Unbound comes in and talks to those individuals and and lets them know, hey, we're we're here to help. Um, Is there anything you need? Now, you said that this is a domestic problem. How mm-hmm. bad is it here in the in the DFW area? What does it look like? Why do we have high numbers? Our agency has actually, in the last two years, we've served over 300 clients. Now, these are just individuals that have been identified, okay? So, 
we really know that number is much higher because as we're we're getting information, the awareness out to the community, more individuals are saying, hey, I I actually saw that or they're identifying and contacting us. So we know the numbers are much higher. It's a process of learning how to recognize those red flags or just individuals that something seems off. We're also working with kids who are in the surrounding rural communities where you wouldn't think it takes place. But, you know, the internet is the great equalizer and that is right there is where we see a lot of the exploitation and trafficking taking place. Kids are online more these days. They're meeting people and they don't know who's on the other side of that profile of the person that they're talking to. So that's why we we believe the numbers are actually much, much higher. So tell me what some of those red flags are that parents and teachers can look for. Kids who are hiding things that are happening. They don't want you to see what's on their phone. Um, they, When we talk about kids in school, it's going to be someone who was acting normal and then all of a sudden their demeanor changes. They become maybe more aggressive or very depressed. They're not engaging in, in what's happening at school. Um, they're not engaging at home. One of the, the tactics of grooming that a trafficker will do is they try to separate that individual from their friends and family. And so all of a sudden, a kid who had a good relationship with their parents or their friends are all of a sudden not wanting to be around them anymore. Um, they're going to be having very expensive things, but they don't really have money to be buying things of that sort. They can't really tell you how they came across these things. You know, starting off with maybe just drinking and light use of drugs. Those are those are going to be red flags that families can look out for. Uh, and then, you know, I will say this: that we have individuals that are identified, and their family just had no clue because the kid was hiding it very well. You know, and so there are those circumstances too that it just comes out of the blue and you had no idea what's going on. It could be somebody that they know beforehand. Right. Is that right? Talk a little bit about that. Yes. So we do have um, situations where older kids who are involved in trafficking can recruit younger kids. It could be, say, a, a young young lady has an older friend, like a, a girl who's older than her, that she starts hanging out with more. So it's not always like a guy-girl kind of situation or anything like that. I mean, we very much know that both girls and guys are both trafficked. But what we're going to see is they're hanging out with older kids. They're no longer interacting with kids their own age or they're hanging out with a, a young adult. That's the only person that they want to hang out with. We do see where the recruitment takes place in schools. Like, for instance, a, a freshman at a high school could meet a senior um, who's recruiting. Younger kids are easier to influence. So the older kids will typically aim towards a younger student or a student who has risk factors of already where they are in a situation where maybe they're not getting along with their family or um, they're looking for a romantic person in their life. Um, they, they want a boyfriend, a girlfriend. And so they're going to use these things to exploit them because those are, those are needs that that person has. And so they know how the traffickers or the recruiters know how to play into that to recruit those individuals. It could even be that a kid is wanting a new pair of shoes and their older friend is like, hey, I know how you can get a pair of shoes. And and then they they minimize what they're doing. They're like, well, everybody does it. You know, everybody, you know, and this way you get money for it. And so they they make it sound like it's not a big deal. And you said that it's males and females. So is there one more than the other? And, and what are the ages that are most vulnerable? We identify more female uh, and, uh, victims than we do male. We also think that the, the number of male victims would be higher just because they're not being identified as much because it, either there's shame involved in it or they don't realize what's happening to them is trafficking. If it's a situation where a family member is trafficking another family member, it could be a very young person. If it's someone who's meeting 
someone online, like for a romantic relationship, it could be older where we're looking at 15, 16. So it really kind of changes depending on what kind of trafficking is taking place. And of course, Unbound, we serve all ages. So so we do identify individuals who are an adult that have been trafficked since they were a teenager. So they've been in the life for a very long time. What are the kind of things that we tell our kids to look out for as far as grooming? Mm-hmm. How can I tell my child, look out for these red flags so you know that this is a person that um, is mm-hmm. not does not have your best interest? Right. So, um, you know, some of the things we talk about are, um, for instance, when someone requests their friendship, understanding that unless you know that person directly, you don't friend them. You know, let's say my my best friend's cousin requests my friendship. Well, I don't know my best friend's cousin, but it's her cousin. That's not a direct contact. A lot of kids are actually approached online and, and people send messages to them. What we want kids to know is, hey, if someone sends you a message, do not respond to that message. With parents, a lot of times they'll ask us, they're like, what what website should I look out for? What app should I look out for? And you know, there's so many apps out there that you can't really keep track of them. Really, it's the, the parents, teachers having open conversations on an ongoing basis, okay? Continually having conversations of, hey, if you see anything that makes you uncomfortable, you can come talk to me about it. People make mistakes and kids are going to make mistakes they don't, as far as being online, you know, they're, they're going to do things that they probably shouldn't do. And so we have to be understanding of that. And when they come to us and say, Hey, I, something's happened to me online, understanding that they didn't go into it knowing that that was going to happen. And so being understanding and being grateful that they actually came to you and said something and not tried to hide it. Once you identify a person that's been trafficked or a parent brings in a child, I guess, where would they take their child if they know that their child has been trafficked? And then how do you help them? So let's start with if a parent sees something that's suspicious online they can actually report that as a cyber tip um, through the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So you can submit that. Um, let's say nothing's happened. It's just suspicious. That's a great place to, to turn that in. If there is something that has happened, they do need to contact law enforcement and let them know that this has happened to their child. Unbound is able to get involved with that with law enforcement. And also there is uh, the drop-in center. So let's say maybe the relationship is strained at the moment because of things. If the kid wants to come to the the underground for the night and just talk to someone, then they can do that as well. But of course, you know, our thing is, is if anyone ever has a question, they can always call Unbound. We may just be giving you guidance on how to move forward with it. But um, but we do want parents to, to feel like they can call and, and ask questions um, and we can uh, help them navigate um, what might be best for their child. And what is the phone number that you that the public can use? Yeah, so our 24-7 number is 817-668-6462. And then um, also the National Human Trafficking Hotline uh, is something that let's say a member of the public have concern of something, but they don't know who to contact. Maybe it's not their child. It's just someone that they see. And um, that number is 888-3737-888. And that's a 24-7 number, and it is anonymous. Thank you, Lorinda Smith, Director of Community Outreach with Unbound North Texas. Again, the 24-7 phone number for Unbound is 817-668-6462, and the website is unboundnorthtexas.org. I'm Stacy Main for About Mansfield. Tax day is looming, and if you find yourself feverishly working to meet the April 15th filing deadline, there may be some relief. 
The Internal Revenue Service announced that the federal income tax filing due date for individuals for the 2020 tax year will be automatically expanded from April 15th to May 17th. IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddig stated that, quote, this continues to be a tough time for many people, and the IRS wants to continue to do everything possible to help taxpayers navigate the unusual circumstances related to the pandemic. Even with the new deadline, the IRS urges taxpayers to consider filing as soon as possible, especially those who are owed refunds. Filing electronically with direct deposit is the quickest way to receive a refund, and it can help some taxpayers more quickly receive any remaining stimulus payments they may be entitled to. Individual taxpayers can also postpone federal income tax payments for the 2020 tax year to May 17th without penalties and interest, regardless of the amount owed. This postponement applies to individual taxpayers, including individuals who pay self-employment tax. If you have any questions, About Mansfield recommends that you consult with a tax professional. Those of you who frequently travel around town already know that the intersection of Matlock and Debbie Lane is one that can really test one's patience. Well, things might get a little tougher for the next month or so as crews began pavement repairs at that intersection on Monday. The failed concrete panels that needed repair are in the middle of the intersection, so this repair isn't going to be pretty. There will be various lane closures during the four- to six-week project, so expect traffic delays and if you can, find an alternate route and avoid Matlock and Debbie as much as you can. City officials highly recommend exercising caution and, more importantly, patience. Over on the far side of the building, the people at the science desk are celebrating two space anniversaries. With his party hat on, roving science reporter Dennis Webb has the story. Dennis? This week, some of us celebrate two pivotal events in the history of space exploration. First, we celebrate the 60th anniversary of Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin's launch to orbit, the first human being to go to orbit in a rocket. The Soviet Union beat the USA in this achievement in 1961. Around the world these days, space fans gather to celebrate together on April 12th as Yuri's Night, though muted this year by the epidemic. This was originally a celebration within the Soviet Union as Cosmonautics Day. But after the Cold War, it became a planet-wide celebration of human exploration of space, recognizing a fellow human who dared greatly, beginning our travels beyond the planet. Yuri Gagarin died a few years later in an aircraft accident and became an indelible icon of Soviet mastery of space, forever young and now a symbol of human mastery of space. I raise a glass. Second, we celebrate the 40th anniversary of the first launch of the space shuttle called STS-1, which was a test flight of the radical new rocket plane and launch system. And it was also first launched on April 12th. I worked in mission control on that mission on one of the three teams that provided round-the-clock support to the brief space mission, which was two days and eight hours. I worked on the orbit team. It really sounds like the Jetsons. And this morning, a colleague of mine from that time emailed a copy of our team's group photo in Mission Control. I'm in the photo as a young man, five years out of college, yet trusted to help make assessments and decisions to achieve the mission objectives and bring the crew safely back to the Earth. The first launch of the space shuttle was a test flight of the unprecedented system. Previously, in Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo, initial launches of these new systems did not have people aboard. But through rigorous analysis leading to confidence, NASA decided to launch the first one with a crew, in this case, astronauts John Young and Bob Crippen. John Young was born in 1930 and was one of the Apollo astronauts who walked on the moon in Apollo 16. He is the only astronaut to have flown on a Gemini mission, the first one that had a crew, the Apollo Command and Service Module, the Apollo Lunar Module, and the Space Shuttle. He stayed with NASA into his 70s as an engineering conscience for later programs until 2004, remaining a formidable engineering mind until the end. He passed away in 2018. Bob Crippen, born in 1937, came to NASA in 1969 after the Air Force abandoned its own planned space program, which was called the Manned Orbiting Laboratory, or MOL. 
the military was going to take the high ground using earlier Gemini program systems. The mostly secret MOL program had been established on the notion that military surveillance from space needed a human to operate the telescope and camera systems. And they could also do some military research while they were there. But by 1969, it was clear that surveillance could be done more efficiently by unmanned satellites. Crippen later commanded three shuttle missions of his own and finished his NASA career as a center director of the Kennedy Space Center in Florida until 1995. Kennedy Space Center is where rocket launches carrying people mostly launch in the Western Hemisphere. In 1981, these remarkable engineers and pilots were my co-workers in making this unprecedented mission successful. I raise my glass again. From the science desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. Cuban cigars and the Cuban sandwich are not ingredients in this week's Cocktail of the Week. Let's find out what is, as Brian's pouring one up right now. Brian? This week's Cocktail of the Week is the Mojito, one of the most popular rum cocktails served today, with the recipe known around the world. The origins of this classic cocktail can be traced back to Cuba in the 16th century, cocktail were called the El Drake, named for Sir Francis Drake, the English sea captain and explorer who visited Havana in 1586. The El Drake was composed of argidente, a cane spirit precursor to rum, lime, mint, and sugar. It was supposedly consumed for medicinal purposes, but easy to believe that drinkers enjoyed its flavor and effects. Eventually, a rum replaced the Argentine, and the name was changed to the Mojito. It's unclear exactly when this transpired, but the Mojito first appeared in cocktail literature in 1932 edition of Sloppy Joe's Bar Cocktail Manual, a book from the famed Havana Institute. Appropriately, most all the ingredients in the Mojito are indigenous to Cuba, rum, lime, mint, and sugar. As you may know, the island nation grows sugarcane, and all of those ingredients are joined together and then lengthened with thirst-quenching club soda to create a delicious, light-hearted cocktail. The drink is traditionally made with unaged white rum, which yields a light, crisp flavor. Using Cuban rum will score you points for authenticity, although many Cuban rums are lighter in style than their predecessors. So you might try experimenting with other white rums until you find the one that you like best. The mojito is slightly more labor-intensive than other cocktails because it involves muddling the mint, but the end result I always find is worth the effort. The mint combines with other other ingredients for an extra dose of refreshment that, while often associated with summer, can be enjoyed any time of the year. If you prefer your cocktails with a dash of literary history, well, now you're in luck. The mojito is said to have been a favorite of Ernest Hemingway, who, according to local lore, partook in them regularly at the Havana Bar La Bogadita de Medio. The mojito took root in Cuba at a time when most rum was scarcely safe to drink. It was fierce, it was funky, it was heavy with fusel oils and other noxiousness. Well, how do you fix this? Well, if you were a Cuban farmer with a cheap bottle of rum and a long night ahead, you would have used whatever diversions were at hand to make it more palatable. A squeeze of lime, some sugarcane juice, a handful of mint, then would go down just fine. Now, fast forward to Prohibition and Havana's rise as America's favorite offshore cocktail lounge. The mojito then migrated from the farms to the working class beaches around the Cuban capital and then marched inland. Here it was dolled up a bit with the addition of carbonated water, lots of ice and a tall glass. Foreign visitors marveled at this glorious offspring of the mint julep and the classic daiquiri, like it was a psychon of a royal marriage. But it's a pretty freewheeling Psycon. There's a basic recipe for the mojito, but you should adjust it on the fly, depending on the tartness of the limes, the potency of the mint, please use spearmint, and the robustness of the rum. Light rum makes for a pleasing, refreshing cocktail that demands little of you, but using a more aged rum can add a welcome complexity. Even just a teaspoon of a heavy Demera rum as a floater will take this college-educated drink and give it a graduated degree. Again, as always, don't worry about taking notes on how to make the cocktail. They'll always be posted at bourbongospel.com. 
the ingredients. You're going to need about three mint leaves per drink. You're going to need about a half ounce of simple syrup, two ounces of white rum, three-fourths of an ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice, and you'll need some club soda to top it off. Garnish with a mint sprig and a lime wheel. How do you make the drink? First, you're going to lightly muddle the mint in a cocktail shaker with the simple syrup. You'll add the rum, the lime juice, and the ice, and give it a brief shake. Strain into a highball glass over fresh ice. Top with club soda, and then garnish with the mint spring and the lime wheel. The biggest thing with the, with the mint is you want to give it a little slap on the back of your hand before garnishing, because that's going to help release the oils and make the mint much more aromatic. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain says, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Just a quick programming note. You can now listen to our city council and school board candidate interviews on the About Mansfield website at aboutmansfield.com. You'll find a link at the top of the homepage. This is your opportunity to get to know the candidates in 20-minute increments before you vote. Early voting starts on April 19th, and Election Day is Saturday, May 1st. Saturday is opening day of the Mansfield Farmer's Market, located at the corner of Broad and Walnut Creek, right next door to the Mansfield Mission Center Thrift Store. Weather-wise, you can expect cloudy skies on Saturday. The day will start in the mid-40s, rising to a high of 66 degrees by late afternoon, with just a 15% chance of rain. Congratulations to Jasmine Shands, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question, who is Ellis County named after? Jasmine knew that Richard Ellis, president of the convention that produced the Texas Declaration of Independence, was the correct answer and has won a $25 gift card to Jake's Burgers and Beer. Coming up after the break, this week's trivia question of the week. This portion of the news was brought to you by Ohana Screen Printing. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. Paid political ad by the Von Wynne-Jones campaign. Hello, I'm Von Wynne-Jones. I came to the U.S. back in 1990 and have loved living here in Texas. And in 2018, I proudly became a U.S. citizen to better invest in my home. Serving in the State Guard and working as an EMT has taught me we face many challenges, and yet there are many ways we can work together to bring about positive change for everyone. So now I'm running for City Council in beautiful Mansfield, Texas, my home for the last 18 years. I'm Vaughn Wynne-Jones. Come join us at HelpMansfieldThrive.org. That's HelpMansfieldThrive.org. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce our weekly About Mansfield episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great local shows, such as Ask Philip the face-off spot, and daughter of the other woman, just to name a few, and handles post-production duties for remote clients, such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Military Resource Radio from Detroit. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need the help from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway, just off of 287 in Mansfield. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking Looking for a better place to record? Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. That's podcastmansfield.com. Your logo or emblem defines who you are, so why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing, to bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business with Ohana Screen Printing, that your dollars stay local as we are a family-owned business based right here in Mansfield. If you're part of a business, organization, or sports team looking to make a visual presence, hit us up on Facebook or ohanascreenprinting.com. That's ohanascreenprinting.com. 
Hey Mansfield, did you know cannabis is legal in Texas? I'm Sonia Salazar, co-owner of Wise Wellness. As cannabis educators and advocates, we can answer any questions you have regarding hemp-derived CBD. Wise Wellness carries a variety of products, including oils, topicals, edibles, and pet products. We are located on FM 157 beside Mansfield Fun Jewelry. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, we are offering a buy one, get one free special on select products. Just mention the podcast at checkout. Follow us on social media for our latest updates. Search for Wise Wellness. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon. It's time right now for the highly coveted, yes, it's wildly popular, it's the trivia question of the week. This month, we reach deep into the prize closet. We dust off a small stack of unclaimed gift cards. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to Dirty Job Brewing, located at 117 North Main Street in historic Mansfield. They are serving up craft beer that is made right there on the premises, along with a variety of pizzas, sandwiches, and much, much more. Check them out on the web at dirtyjobbrewing.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, one of the longest highways in Texas is U.S. Highway 287, which runs 640 miles from Amarillo through Mansfield and ends in the Gulf Coast city of Beaumont. In 1940, U.S. Highway 287 was changed from another name. This week's trivia question is, what was Highway 287 called prior to its name change in 1940. Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, what was Highway 287 called prior to its name change in 1940? Good luck, and thanks to Derek at Dirty Job for the gift card. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, and in the studio today, as we make the transition from news to talk, I'm really looking forward to this next uh, this next segment because uh, he's the top dog. He's the top dog in the city, and that is our uh, our city manager, Joe Smolinski. Welcome to About Mansfield. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Let's before we get into the nuts and bolts of who you are. Let's let's first talk about some some exciting news that came to Mansfield here within the past few days that the. Texas Tech School of Nursing is going to open a satellite uh, campus here in Mansfield, Texas. How did that come about? I think uh, it originally started when former council member Brent Newsom mm-hmm. had reached out to both Methodist and to Texas Tech and was trying to gauge their interest in, as to whether or not they'd be interested in a satellite campus here in Mansfield. As it turns out, a couple years later, here we are. Uh, didn't come about just uh, that simply. There's a lot of stuff between year one and and, and today uh, to make that happen. But uh, that's that was sort of the introduction we got to them and then I'd say both current and previous council supported the uh, the the project unanimously so there's a lot of support there it's it's really exciting to have a major university here in Mansfield and I think it's just another sign of the direction Mansfield's headed right now and will this be a separate campus or will it be at Mansfield Methodist, I guess it'd be Methodist Mansfield Hospital. Is it at the hospital or are they building a new campus? They will occupy uh, office space at the current hospital. So they'll be in the hospital uh, and they'll be, I think they've got 60 students for the first year, 20 of whom will start, uh, start their first classes in September. Let's find out about Joe. Uh, you've been yeah. with the city for 20 years. You've been the city manager now for almost seven months. Uh, right. Where are you, native Texan? Yeah, I was. I was born in Arlington. Born, born in Arlington. Where Where'd you go to high school? I graduated in 1992 from James Martin High School in Arlington. You're a young man. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, you are. Well, that's uh, nice of you. I don't okay. feel like a young man, but yeah, sure. Were you a good student? Not particularly. I was probably a B student. Uh, not that that's a bad student. Don't get me wrong. Right. But uh, right. yeah, I, was, I was a B student. What were some of your? Were you involved in high school? Were you in band, athletics? Uh, what were some of your your participatory? Sure. Interests. Well, I played. I played football in high school. Uh, all through junior high and high school, I also played baseball. So. Favorite position? Uh, let's start with football. What, what position did you play? 
linebacker. And then baseball? Uh, pitching and right field, mostly. Right field? Yeah. Roberto Clemente played right field, though. So. We can find a few good ones. That yes. <laughs> or my hero, Tony Gwynn from San Diego. There you uh, go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very famous right fielder. Actually yeah. played. Uh, Todd Van Poppel uh, was, he graduated the year before I did. Uh, so I'm, I'm proud to say that I did hit a triple off of Todd Van Poppel at one point. <laughs> <laughs> And for the listeners out there who don't know who Todd Van Poppel is... Uh, uh, he was a pitcher that ended up pitching for the Texas Rangers at one point. He was signed by the Oakland A's originally. Uh, but yeah, he was he's pretty good. Fastball was amazing. From Martin High School, you went to UTA? Not immediately. But not directly? Not directly. Oh. So in 1993, I, I joined the Army. I was a military police officer in the Army. I got out in 2000. And uh, oddly enough, my, my goal was to be a police officer. My whole life, huh. I always wanted to be a police officer or a firefighter. So I joined the Army, became an MP, thinking that uh, that'd be a very simple transition from being a military police officer to being a police officer in the civilian world. And then uh, turns out that my recruiter was was also a military police officer and told me, man, you're going to love it. You know, write tickets and eat donuts, and it's going to be just like the real <laughs> world, right? <laughs> Turns out he's wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know, six months after I joined the army, I was uh, I was in a turret of a Humvee in Honduras, mm-hmm. uh, and then Haiti, Croatia, Bosnia. So, turns out that you don't write a lot of tickets as a military police officer, but. Uh, I will say that it was probably one of the greatest experiences of my life. I was proud uh, to have the opportunity to serve our country, and I think I learned a lot of the leadership lessons that I that I employ today from the from the Army. And thank you for your service to our country. My, absolutely, my pleasure. Thank yeah. you for your support. Then, from the military, you went to UTA. I did so. Right out of the army, I needed a job. Yeah, <laughs> you sure. know, and I, like I said, I wanted to be a police officer, and I figured uh, I want to go back to college. So let me take an interim job here. Uh, started in the utility division, as a matter of fact, working at the water treatment plant. First job was nine dollars and sixty-one cents an hour here in Mansfield. And you're making just a little bit more than that. I right make now. a little more than that today. Okay. Thank you to the thank you to <laughs> everyone for paying their taxes. Sure. I appreciate that. Well, but uh, and inflation. It, it, right. It, right. Sure. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I started. I started at the treatment plant. Uh, and started going to school at night. I earned my associates, my bachelor's, and my master's, um, bachelor's and master's from UTA, and ended up, I, I had always assumed that I would apply for a police department as soon as I got my degree, but I've had the, the good fortune of working for some fantastic leaders through the years here in Mansfield. First was Bud Irvin. Sure. Uh, water treatment plant is now named after, after Bud, and deservedly so. And then I worked for Chris Burkett, mm-hmm. uh, who's the service center is now named after Chris Burkett. And then, of course, as a deputy city manager, I worked directly for Clay Chandler, who has a park and uh, and a part of the, po- the hospital named after him. So my, my joke that I kind of tell everybody is if you want a building named after you, uh, just just hire me and we'll, we'll, we'll make that happen somehow. Well, so. you, it, that's that's funny you should mention those three names, because I kid you not, on my my list of research... Mm-hmm. Are those three names, and okay. the question that I had had written after those three names? Uh, you've got the Butter Ribbon Water Treatment Plant. You got the Chris Burkett Service Center. You got Clay Chandler Park. When you retire, what piece of Mansfield would you like to see your name on? A manhole. A manhole. <laughs> A manhole. <laughs> you know, I, I joke around when they were interviewing me for this position. They they asked me why I, uh, I thought I would be a good fit. And, of course, I grew up in this organization professionally. And right. I, I've worked, as I said, started entry level at the treatment plant and worked my way up. Uh, so I think I have an understanding and compassion for employees at all level of the organization. I think that makes me uniquely qualified to represent them to to the citizens and and to the council, uh, but this is the the joking part, you know. I, because we worked in utilities, water and sewer, said I've been I've been taking the citizens and the the city's crap for twenty years. So, uh, <laughs> of course, I mean that jokingly yeah, and in course, the best way. Course. Yeah, I think I think a manhole lid would probably be the most fitting. All right, the. Um when you started 20 years ago at the water utilities, mm-hmm. uh, the, the water treatment plant, 
did you think you would ever become city manager? No, no. As I said, I, I, I thought that would be an interim gig until I eventually became a police officer. Okay. But... Uh, I'll say that the leadership that I worked under there with Bud really, really changed my my opinion, changed how I looked at that. And, you know, I think water and sewer, those are, while people don't think about them, uh, it's because they don't have to. It's right. Because of the people that work there treating water and making sure that we take back everything that you don't use. Uh, it, it actually allows for civilized life as we know it to exist. And it's an immediate payoff. And I, I absolutely loved that. And I think maybe now would be a good time to do a, uh, a complimentary shout out to uh, Jeff Price and his crew for keeping us on board during the, the Snowmageddon. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, Jeff Price is one of those guys. He's a Mansfield. He's a third generation, I think, Mansfield guy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he's got a long, long history and long ties to the, to the community. And in knowing Jeff, I can tell you, you, you don't have a more dedicated public servant than Jeff. Uh, he loves this community. It's his home. And taking care of the folks that live here, work here, have businesses here is of utmost importance to Jeff. And he's, he's got a true servant's heart, and it's a pleasure to work with him. Let's go back to UTA. Let's so go. You're, you got your bachelor's, you got your master's at, at UTA, I would assume through uh, the School of Urban and Public Affairs. Master of Public Administration, correct. Okay, at SUPA. Yep, yep SUPA. Uh, did you study under Dr. Geisel? No, I, I didn't. I did not have any courses with Dr. Geisel. Dr. Hisong. Yes. Okay. Yes. Very good. There's a there's a connection there. My my wife uh, was hired as a result of of the retirement of Dr. Geisel, and my wife was hired to take his place. She was a professor for SUPA. She is SUPA now is called Kappa. Yep. Yep. And she is now the interim dean at uh, at Kappa. Oh, fantastic! And so there is that connection between you and and your two administrative assistants who also came from from UTA. That's correct. And yes. uh, so there's that that what do they say the six the six separations from Kevin Bacon. Six is, degrees of separation. Six degrees. Right. Yes, is uh, that is our 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 what we're only two degrees separated by. Uh, yeah. Yeah. By my wife. Water utilities. Okay, here comes a serious question. Let's do it. All right. This actually comes from my wife. The water utilities uh, produces, the, the water treatment plant produces pure water, pure enough to drink straight from the tap. Correct. The question is, why are we watering our lawns with drinking water? That, no, that's an excellent question. That's uh, why I'm the host. That's why you're the host. Okay. <laughs> uh, hopefully, I'll give you an excellent answer, and that's why I'm the guest, right? Uh, yeah. So one, of, I think, I think the greatest challenge that we're going to face as we, as the population continues to expand, is the availability of fresh drinking water, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in Mansfield, here we get our water from a few different sources: uh, Cedar Creek, Richland Chambers, and Benbrook, mm-hmm. and here in the last several years, we've, as a member of the Tarrant Regional Water District, we've reached as far as Lake Palestine for water. Wow. Uh, but the greatest challenge is during a drought, where does that go? It, most of it is is on people's lawns. That's right. just how it is. Uh, so we have conservation plans in place that will allow us to restrict the amount of time, the amount of water that, uh, that residents and businesses can use to put on their lawn during times of drought. Uh, but there is there is no pleasant way to say it other than to say we waste so much of it on our lawns uh, that at some point, if you don't make some some intelligent decisions, some purposeful decisions, we'll be making dis- we'll be making choices between showers and flowers. Uh, at <laughs> I've some not point. heard that term before. That's <clears throat> yeah, you, interesting. Yeah. Do you think we will ever get to the point where, say, for instance, the water we use in our washing machine, if used with organic soap, taking gray water and using that to water yeah. would do you think we'll ever get to that point I think I think we will get there out of necessity at some point yeah. I think that's an inevitability uh, they do that with great success in Australia okay. right now yeah they do that quite a bit and there are companies here even in the North Texas area that uh, that do that they'll take gray water and by gray water you know we mean the stuff that goes uh, you know, through the washing machine, stuff like that. You're not talking about garbage disposals or right. or, or toilets. Yeah. Right. 
as you know, I am a recent graduate of the, the first class of my university, and through the education of nine weeks of, uh, of courses, mm-hmm. learned that there are 27 departments within the city of, of Mansfield. Correct. What's your favorite department? I, I absolutely love all of them. I'll <laughs> say that. Uh, and that's that's really not not a joke. I mean, every, you have so many different disciplines, and I think maybe that's something that you picked up on. I hope it is when you went through uh, my university. Mm-hmm. Is that there's so many disciplines involved in making a city a city, and providing the services uh, that keep a city running. Uh, so every one of them is is absolutely critical to the function of the city. None none more important than the other. Um, but I'll say this: you know, a city cannot even be a city without certain departments. You have to have public safety, yeah, police, fire, streets, water, sewer. Those are the basics. If you're talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, therein lies the bottom layer. Right? Without those things, a city does not exist. But what makes Mansfield Mansfield uh, makes us unique, gives us our signature flair, so to speak, are the, are the departments that you layer in on top of that. You know, because quite frankly, you can build your box anywhere. You can build your house in any city you want. And every one of those cities is going to provide you with police, fire, streets, water, and sewer. Right. Every one of them. But people choose, I believe, I believe this with my whole heart, that people choose Mansfield because of the things that give us our unique flair and, and the signature services that we provide. That's what makes Mansfield special. Pre-COVID, mm-hmm. when Joe Smolenski goes out on a Friday night, where can, where can we find him? Mostly with family and friends. Yeah. Um, you know, don't go out. Restaurants would probably be the, the number one answer there. Um, and then we spend a lot of time with family, uh, family and friends. Uh, either gathering at one another's homes or going out to dinner as a family. Have a very, very, very close family. Any hobbies? What do you like to do in your free time? All right, I'm going to nerd out on you here All a little right. bit. So, my pandemic, my pandemic hobby that's now become an obsession with me is uh, woodworking. Oh, I love woodworking. Oddly enough, right? Yeah. I started uh, by making flags. You know, just American flags, uh-huh. you know, chiseling out the stars and, you know, stuff like that. And then I got into uh, doing epoxy work and whatnot. So now I've got probably 20 U.S. flags of all different mm-hmm. sizes and, and uh, composition in my garage. Uh, so I spend a lot of time uh, doing that in the garage right now. So. When I lived in California, I had my, my garage was my woodworking center, if you will, that uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a shopsmith. A uh, shopsmith is, a, is one entire unit uh, that, would, that would run off one motor, and it was a router, it was a table saw, it was a drill press, depending on okay. in which configuration you... So one motor made all of these different tools. And I made Adirondack chairs, and I made okay. uh, tables, and I uh, loved doing the lathe and, and making table legs and, and stuff like that. Loved, loved doing woodworking. And it turned out that we didn't have the space for it here in Texas, so sure. I wound up selling that, that unit. But okay. I miss my shopsmith. Well, I, they, I can understand. It's amazing what you can create. You can be as creative as you want, right? Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. We are talking with city manager Joe Smolinski, and we're going to pick up the rest of the interview next week, where we will talk about homestead exemptions, what Mansfield will look like in the next 30 years, and, of course, the always exciting lightning round. Also coming up next week on About Mansfield, it is. Mansfield News Talk and Information. The show will be released on Wednesday, April 21st. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Just enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise.
Once again, a reminder that you can listen to our city council and school board candidate interviews on the About Mansfield website at aboutmansfield.com. On the website, there is a link at the top of the homepage that will take you right to those recordings. This is your opportunity to get to know the candidates in 20-minute increments before you vote. Early voting starts April 19th, and Election Day is Saturday, May 1st. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters, Stacy Main and Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. School Board Recap, Courtney Lackey-Wilson. Home Improvement feature, Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week feature, Brian Certain. Sports, Tommy Cummings. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. We thank you for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is About Mansfield.